simply done. Wow. Jillian, she'll be going off to college next fall. That's quick. So, Brother Tom, we need to double her up on her singing before she leaves. <clears throat> Thinking of these college kids that come home, Brad and Hannah and some, I'm not sure if all of them are juniors. I know Brad's a junior. Hannah, are you a junior? Ashley, is she a junior? Anybody know? Can you think of that? They're going to be seniors. You just, man, goodness, they're going off to school and graduating. It's amazing. Thank the Lord for these young people getting trained and our prayer is that they will serve their Lord with their talents. Amen. Well, we're going to have our message this morning, but right after church, we have lunch. Everybody's invited. We have things prepared. And I'm telling you, my wife made chicken and dumplings. And I, she is, she's good. I mean, look at me. She is good at chicken and dumplings. Hash potatoes, put that on top of there. Oh, my soul. And Gene Cole was telling me he's made some black-eyed peas. Is that where you at, Gene? Did you make beans? Macaroni and cheese. What about the beans? You were talking about beans. Is that for you at home? Oh. That ain't right. But macaroni and cheese sounds good. So please, stay for lunch. He said, oh, I forgot. There'll be plenty. My wife made a big... So there'll be plenty. Stay for lunch. And as soon as lunch is over, we'll tell everybody, hey, we're coming back in the auditorium. Today's fifth Sunday, and we have afternoon service. There'll not be an evening service. There'll be an afternoon service. Hensons are going to come over. Hopefully they'll be here for lunch, and then they'll be singing in the service, and, and we're glad that when they always come by. Amen? So please uh, join us through this, this service. Again, don't leave, stay, and then we won't be long in the afternoon and you'll be on your way, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 2, and of course, uh, this is a very familiar text to us, and this year, not every year, but this year the Lord led me to pre preach a Christmas message each week of December. This is the last Sunday of December, so this is not necessarily a total Christmas message, but I'm going to talk about the new year a little bit later. But uh, my thought is this, Christmas time homage all the year through. Christmas time honor and worship all the year through. And look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, that word is, pay attention to this. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Drop down to verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. In verse 11, when they were come unto the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. That's homage. Worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. That's homage. That's worship. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Christmas time homage all the year through. Let's pray. Father, 
Help us as we get into this final thought for this season. And tr truly, Lord, it's been a good season. And I, I pray that we'd not shut down the message already in our hearts because we've heard so many Christmas messages, but Lord, that we would embrace the thought that you have placed on my heart today as pastor. Please speak to us. Please be with those that may be here visiting that do not know you as Savior. Or Lord, maybe they're going through a difficult time as a Christian and they need encouragement. Maybe some are a little distant from you in their walk. I pray you draw them close. Now please meet with us, Lord, and be with every part of our church today that's under the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just think, what if everybody tried to have and to keep the spirit of Christmas all the year through? Now, Christmas season of the year, for many people, seem to be, to me, they're more courteous. Maybe where you went, they weren't, but this year for me. More hospitable, more friendly, more patient than any other time of the calendar. It was that way for me. Now, in past years, I mean, last year was really not too hot. As I would talk to people, it seemed like people were at variance. People just, you say Merry Christmas, and they'd say, I'm a Jew. I had a guy say, I'm a Jew. We don't celebrate Christmas. I don't care. Happy Hanukkah. You know, I, I just, they're just, the attitude and the rolling of eyes, and you're paying your bill, and you say, have a Merry Christmas. We don't celebrate Christmas. Or they look at you like you're some kind of idiot. But this year, I detected, for whatever reason, a more open and free spirit when Christmas greetings were extended by me. I had people come back to me and say, yes, Merry Christmas. It just seemed different this year. I don't know if you experienced that. I experienced that everywhere. When I went shopping, when I went out, when I went to run errands, People, and sometimes they say to me, Merry Christmas. I go, man, that's not politically correct, is it? This, all this political correctness, I think, has ruined people. But this year, it seemed like people were more friendly and open and spirit was good. As I would go around, it just seemed that way. Merry Christmas came back to me. Uh, again, previous years, people were so negative, not too friendly, stiff body language, even a rebuke or two. As I mentioned, the Jewish man. It's almost like people, they wouldn't say it, but they'd look at you and, and you could kind of read what they were saying to you. They were saying something like this, Christian, Christmas, humbug. Now go home and soak your head in your Christmas pudding. They didn't say it. Nobody said that, but I felt like they were saying it with their eyes. Because you do understand that people say a lot without even using words, body language, facial expressions, amen, gestures, all kinds of things. Uh, what's so merry about Christmas? And these are the people I go to church with last year, but not. <laughs> but, but I noticed even in public, people were friendlier and more open, and it was good. It's been a good Christmas, and I enjoyed that. I didn't have, I don't think I had one person with a bad attitude or a smirk or a roll of eyes this year. I don't, I don't recall it. Uh, I had some people that didn't act like they were very happy they were working, but people should be happy they got a job. But many of them just like, okay, and 
you'd order something and they, they'd say, well, we don't have that, you don't have this. And you, you want to say, what do you have? But you just, okay, fine, you know. I didn't want to have a bad attitude at Christmas. But, um, boy, Merry Christmas was well received this year. This morning I've chosen this text. The Lord is speaking to my heart about these wise men. I wanted to wait till after Christmas because you do know they weren't part of the Christmas story. They came a little later. But it's after Christmas, so I can talk about them today in, in my heart. The wise men. Kings themselves. They came from the east to come and see the Christ. They come to worship the Christ and pay homage unto him. We don't hear that word very much, homage. has the idea of total worship. Giving oneself completely. They came later, of course, we know. Pastor Williams was just teaching Sunday school last week about them tracking that 1,500 approximate miles to come and, and see the Christ and worship the Christ. And, and he gave a lot of details about the Magi, which I will not. But I, I kind of need to use a little bit of this for us to get where we need to go. But I want to take a look at these, these Magi, these wise men. Let's take a look at their person. First of all, their designation, they're called wise men. And this meaning, not in the original, but originally, the meaning had to do with astronomy, astrology. Had to do with stargazers. Had to do with watchers. Had to do with people that were very intellectual, gathering of knowledge and facts. Now, what drew them was this star, this star. My wife and I, we went, we took a little time and went to, to, our, to our kids in, in Virginia during Thanksgiving. Many of you know that. I think we were there about four days and visiting with them. And the day we were flying back here to be here for Sunday, they were putting up their Christmas tree. And uh, we were sitting there watching them in the morning and they were having fun and they got some lights on and some decorations. And James, my son-in-law, he's real tall. He picked up my little Ellie, my granddaughter, and he lifted her up. And she had a star in her hand. And she was placing it on the... They worked and she, she always, I guess, since two or three Christmases, she's putting the star on top of the tree. And I said, Ellie, that is beautiful. I'm glad that Grandpa was here to see you do that. And she said, yes. I said, now we have a Christmas angel on our tree. And she looked at me. And she said, Grandpa, that's not right. <laughs> you got to understand, Ellie, she's beyond her years. She's, her vocabulary is unbelievable. And uh, as a matter of fact, the other day, just, just before Christmas, she was in a bell choir and she sent us a FaceTime uh, audio presentation, you know, to us. And she's leaning into the camera. She's got her pretty little dress on, she got her bell in her hand. And she says, Grandpa, we're having our bell choir tonight and all the other grandpas and grandmas and mamas and papas are going to be there. And I thought, Joy, Beth, why do you do this to me? But she said, a matter of fact, she said, Grandpa, that's not right. She said, there needs to be a star on top of your tree. Daddy taught us, and the Bible says... That they followed the star from the east. And she told me the whole story. And I looked at her and I felt so rebuked. <laughs> I said, yes, you're right, honey. And I said to my wife, did you just hear what Ellie told me? She said, see, see I heard her. But there was angels there too. I said, 
Pray for Mrs. Brown. She needs to get her heart right. I told her a couple times about Archer, honey, we need to have Star up there. She said, no, we're not growing that. We're going to keep our Christmas. But pray for her. But listen, the per these men, these wise men came from afar, and what drew them was that star. That star. The, the origin. It says, behold, they came, there came wise men from the east. Now, some say that was Arabia. Turn to Psalm 72. There's some scripture for this. Psalm 72, verse 10, Arabia. It says in Psalm 72, verse 10, I don't know if you ever read this. You should if you're reading through your Bible, but you don't always see these things sometimes. It says, 72, 10, the kings of Tarshish and the isles shall be presents, shall bring presents. The king of Siba and Seba shall offer gifts. Well, these areas, of course, over near uh, the Arabian uh, uh, Peninsula. But Jerusalem was south of Judea, if you're coming from there, and that wouldn't work. Chaldea, or the Chaldeans, but Jerusalem was north. Persia, most accepted to be from Persia. Uh, I was in Canada one year, invited to come and speak at Canadian Thanksgiving, and they had a big dinner and we met all these people in the church. Boy, is that an eclectic church over there, Metro Baptist Church. And uh, we sat with a family from Persia. Because they have so many people in their church from so many places in the world. Most would accept that. But, but some believe it was further into the Orient, such as China. In any case, we could say it was a long trip. Long way to go for the reason, the sole reason of worshiping the newborn king. Paying homage to this king that they had read about and heard about. And listen, as we name these countries and peoples, just remember this. It's good to remember all the year through. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. We sometimes, because of political problems, we forget that people have souls and they need to be one to Jesus Christ. Don't forget people from North Korea, China, Arabic nations, Russia, Hispanics. Yes, there's problems, but don't forget they have souls. So let's not be so mad at them we don't want to give them the gospel. Years ago, when I first became pastor here, it was a mission conference. We were putting up flags, and I know that men that fought in, in war, it's hard for them to get over some of the things they went through, and I, and I can't engage in that because I never fought. Thank God they fought. Thank God for the freedom we have because of them. But I was putting up right over here the Japanese flag, and I wonder how many people would see that flag and automatically think negatively about it. I get that one end, but the other end, as Christians, we've got to rise above that and realize those people need Jesus Christ. Whatever we're going through as a nation and whatever the political hot button might be, people still need the Lord. Amen. I like what Brother Staub often says, is the mission field has come to us. Doesn't mean we're happy about how it happened or is happening, but that these people need the Lord. So don't get so hard-hearted against a people group that's other than you, like yours. Because Jesus loves the world. Jesus died for all. We need to remember that. 
So the person's the origin, the journey, the cause of it was that, that star, that star that shined brightly. Someone in the meeting the other day was talking about that star, and I don't know, it was a good thought. They were saying they don't think when we read that story that it means that the star was always there and it was leading them every... But they saw the star and it led them to leave, and there were times where they couldn't see the star, and they, they'd see the star again until it brought them to where the young child was. And I thought that's interesting. That star led them. It guided them. It had a drawing to them. It, it spoke to their heart. Look at Luke chapter 2 verse 9. This is right along the same thoughts of the Christmas story. It says in Luke chapter 2 verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I mean, what happened at Christmas time way back then with those shepherds and that angelic host? We can't even enter into the awesomeness of that event. And these wise men, some 18 months to two years later, came and they were being drawn from the time of the birth of Christ, before the birth, to, to where that young child would be. And they got there. And they got there for the sole purpose of homage, of worship. And if you and I can keep our Christmas homage all the year through, man, it'd be a tough job to do it just with each other, let alone in the world. But that wouldn't it be a great thing if we kept that spirit about us. I've noticed this year a spirit of gratefulness, a spirit of thanksgiving with many people. Just seeing this year was a little different. And it needs to be different, especially in the climate that we're in. So much division, so much animosity. But during the prophecies that were spoken, the general expectation before Christ came was that a celebrated person who would come and he'd, he'd make an appearance. The Bible says the day star shall arise in your heart. The scripture tells us until Shiloh come. These are all verses about the Christ that was coming. The Jews long time expected a Messiah, a deliverer to come. God's people prayed for the coming of Christ. The virgins, early on, they, they were expecting. They were, there was a desire in their parents that maybe their child would be the chosen of God. The holy people desired, uh, people like, like uh, we mentioned Simeon, who waited for the consolation of Israel, like Anna, who, who got to see the Christ child. There were more people, these are the ones that are mentioned, but they were looking for Christ. And then the journey itself, as Pastor Williams said, some 1,500 miles. Why? Because Herod had a plan to kill the Christ child. Because, not because he didn't like Christmas. It was the common thing for royal seed to be sought out and eliminated so there wouldn't be a vying of power. Remember David, when he took the throne, finally, such a long process, almost 20 years before David got to the throne. When he got to the throne, he was seeking out the descendants of Saul to be a blessing. Remember how he sought out Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, when, he, when they came and knocked on his door and said, you need to come with us, the king would like to see a paraphrase. He said, but I'm a dead dog. He thought he was going to be killed because that was the way it was done. The royal seed was eliminated. There'd be no challengers to the throne. And that's why Herod was doing what he was doing. Satan was work working in him and speaking to him and using him. 
trying to keep Christ from getting to Calvary, what it's all about. Now think about this trip. It was expensive. It was dangerous. They traveled in caravans. And again, Pastor Williams pointed this out real good last week. There, there wasn't just three wise men. We do that because of the gifts. But they traveled in, in caravans, large groups of people, and many of their servants would have been there serving them as they're they kings themselves coming. And for the purpose of what? Paying homage. And it would be not only expensive but dangerous. Highwaymen would try to rob them. And then great fatigue of that long journey. I mean, I can't even think of making a 1,500-mile trip in a car that I've gotten older. My wife and I, I mean, we go on a trip three hours, I'm looking for a hotel. That's, what, that's the way I am. <laughs> Seriously. We, you know, we used to get, drive straight through to the kids. It was like a, thir a 12, 13-hour trip with stopping at Cracker Barrel two or three times. I mean, but it took a while to get there, and now we just plan on it. Right in the middle of that thing, we're stopping to get in a hotel and having dinner and relaxing. And that's just the way it is. 1,500 miles on the back of a camel? I don't care if you had a two-humper or a one-humper. That's a, that's a tough trip. That's a tough trip. But why did they come? They wanted to see the Christ. They wanted to come and worship the Christ. And that star led them on and on and on. Their pursuit was accomplished. And their labor terminated once they got to the place that they could offer worship. Matthew 2, 11, and when they had come to the house, they saw the young child, that word child, their young child. You know, there's different aspects of age. There's infancy, and then there's toddler, and there's adolescent, and preteen, and teen, and young adult, and adult, and then senior. I mean, that's the way life breaks down. This word here has an idea of a toddler, not an infant, not a newborn. So we know it took a while. They come and saw that child with Mary, his mother, and notice it says they fell down. Kings, men of great wealth and, and uh, integrity, men of great, uh, a great stature. And they came and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him. Ah, oh, here, have this. That's not how it was. They come bowing, paying homage, and they're worshiping. They're, they're offering to God. Think, think about your worship. We take God anymore, even God's people, so lightly. The things of God so haphazardly. Within me and you, if you're saved, dwells the Holy Ghost. We house deity. There was a day when God didn't speak to me. I was ignorant of spiritual things, but God came in the flesh. And God came for me, and God spoke to my heart, made sure people came across my path. And I received Jesus by faith into my heart. And I knew real quickly that there was something different about me. There was a voice in me I didn't hear before. You remember? Oh, Christian, listen, pay him homage, not just at Christmas time. Worship him not just a little bit more at Christmas time, all the year through. Be grateful, be worshipful, be thankful all 
the years there. What if everybody acted that way? Well, we know they're not. But what if everybody acted to call the name on Christ? They're a Christian. All the year through, they accomplished their trip. They terminated their purpose. They presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And notice, the worship they presented and entered into is so special. They pressed on for one solitary purpose, to see and to worship the new king of the Jews, the Christ Matthew 2, 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 11, And they fell down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and they presented unto him gifts. And chapter 2, verse 11, the first part says, And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Now this coming and this falling down, this presenting of gifts, what do we see? Well, we see great faith. Because when they came to that house, they saw a toddler. They didn't, there wasn't any angelic choir then. And they weren't singing, by the way. It says saying, glory to God in the high. It's like there's no donkey in the Bible. We assume that because of the length of the trip. But there's a lot of things. But what these angels saying, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill toward men. But they weren't there when the wise men showed up. There wasn't any shepherds there. Abiding in the field. That was earlier. So now they're coming. They're coming to a little house. To a poor couple. To a poor kid. (laughs) And what was their purpose all that trip? I wonder, do you think they said to each other, well, we wasted our time on this trip. No. They came looking for a king, and when they saw him, God filled up their heart with worship and homage and glory and praise. And they gave him those wonderful gifts. But listen, instinctively, they knew that this child was special. But all the appearances of that house and those poor parents and that poor kid, they walked into a poor village, humble parents, and it all spoke against what the star had been leading them to find. There's no physical evidence of greatness. There's no palace. There's no splendor. There's no regal garments. There's no pomp and circumstance. Just a humble home with humble parents and a little child. But they knew he was special. Let me ask you, Christian, you remember when Jesus was so special to you? The preacher, he still is. Come on now. You remember when you first got saved and all was new? Amen, I do, I do. And I want to keep that within my heart. Let's just not really, oh yeah, you know, it's another Christmas song, pastor's preaching another one. Can we just get past this and move on? Good night. We've lost the wonder. We lost the special sense that God gives us. And I wonder sometimes about lost people. They don't understand Christmas. They celebrate it totally differently. God's got to put that truth in their heart. I want to keep Christmas all the year through. Especially, especially the homage 
and the praise and the worship of God. So, oh my goodness, we can see so much here. Next, we see the great humility. They fell down. Kings themselves fell down. Great reverence, and they worshiped him. And great generosity, they opened their treasures and presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense. Of course, we know that these also are fit for a king, but also they talk about his death to come. They didn't get that. You remember how Jesus, when he died, there was not time. They took him down from the cross and they buried him, according to Jewish law. You remember the reason why the resurrection mourned the women were there in the first place, to come and prepare his body better. And they would use spices and they would use gold. I read one time about how the gold was placed upon the eyes to keep the eyelids shut and how that the, um, the frankincense was because of the decaying and the myrrh. It had to do with the worship and, and properly taking care of the dead in a reverent way. And they came to do that, but when they came, he wasn't there, hallelujah, risen. So this all was given ahead of time, picturing where Christ was to go for me, for you, such great devotion. Listen, chapter 2 and verse 12 of Matthew says, being warned of God in a dream. I had two dreams last night. Neither one of them were like this. Thank God. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. Watch this. They departed into their own country another way. Their allegiance was to him that was born king of the Jews. More so, they knew he was king of kings and lord of lords. And they weren't going to listen to an earthly king anymore. They were going to listen to God, and they went. Oh, when can we get back to where God speaks to our heart and we do what God wants us to do? We've got to get back to that. Not what everybody thinks, not what's politically correct. What thus saith the Lord. And when God puts it in your heart, you know it's right, and you do that. You honor God with homage and worship and praise by our very acts these, this thing about people saying, well, I'm saved, but they don't want to live for God. They want nothing to do with church. They live any way they want to. That is, that is not, not even close to true Christianity. That's the facts of the world. When we get back to true worship of God, and then the great lessons their story present to us all now, I don't want to blow your mind because I was going to tell you. I left this out. I was going to tell you, now that I laid the groundwork, I'll bring my main points. <laughs> Pretend like I didn't tell you that. Because you're thinking, oh my goodness. It won't take long. I promise. We're already at the fifth point. You didn't know that, but I have some main points. Now, both Luke and, God, and Matthew's gospel present some of the amazing heart-accepting truths. In Luke 2, 7 and in Matthew 2, 8, it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And, and Matthew says, and, and he sent them to Bethlehem, said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Of course, that's Herod. He didn't mean that, but that's what it said. These two verses together show the true attitude that the world had then and still has today. And here's their attitude. We can see that they understood not much, but the reproof of the Jews was present by the homage of those wise men. How's that? First Peter 2.10 says, Which time past 
were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Think about this. The Gentile world got a Savior. The Jews should have been looking for him, but they weren't looking for him. Certainly the world wasn't. But these kings come and represent a Gentile world. Thank God we've been grafted in. Thank God we have the gospel. Thank God God opened our hearts to the gospel. The people of God were told there would be a Messiah, but somehow they, they paid it no regard. They were not ready to receive him. The religious, the religious leaders weren't even ready. This allowed the lowly to announce the birth of Christ. The shepherds. This allowed the unlikely, the Gentiles, to be brought in. Then the wonderful illustration of divine providence, Matthew 2, 12 to 13, that we read. The wise men, they brought these gifts. Now, I didn't think about this, but I was reading a commentary, and I thought, that is interesting. This is all right to write, read a commentary. You know, okay, stay with the book, but, you know, you can use. Paul said, I, bring me the books, especially the parchments, so books are okay. And I was reading about this, and I liked what this man said. He said that they possibly, the gifts of the wise men, listen, were possibly the means by which the Holy Family were allowed to escape and travel to Egypt. I mean, they're poor people. They didn't have anything. But how did they, how did they afford that trip? Uh, the kings came, and it was costly for them to come. But how's this little poor family get over to Egypt? Because God said, hey, Joseph, take this kid out of here before they catch up to him. That's basically the story. And the Bible says they went until God told them that Herod was dead and those that sought him. Well, how'd they pay for that trip? I, I read that commentary. That, that's an interesting thought. Perhaps it was the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh that got them there and provided for them while they were there. We don't, we're not given a time period here. But Herod was dead. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream to Joseph. Something I thought about this. It says in, in verse 20, it says, And arise, take the young child, his mother, and go to the land of Israel. And Joseph said, I'll, I'll do it when I feel like it. Joseph said, oh, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't know if it's in my plan. No. He got up and took the child. It says, verse 21 says, He arose and took the child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. Boy, God spoke to Joseph's heart, and it didn't take two, two messages. One dream. And he believed God, and you know what he did? He immediately sought to take the child back to where God wanted him to be in Israel. Why is it God has to speak to us a million times, and we still don't get it? Here's why. We don't want to worship. We don't want to pay homage. We don't want to praise God. Listen. God saved you for his glory. God gifted you for his glory. you got a choice to make. Is it going to be about you or is it going to be about Christ? Don't waste your life on yourself in this world. Amen. I'm talking about homage and worship and praise all the year through. Amen. And you know, I thought about Jesus here, how he was protected and saved and he, he went with his parents to Egypt and then God brought him back. And you know, throughout your Bible, it always shows how Jesus as a child and as a man was provided by God and protected by God in God's plan until God said, okay, it's time for my son to save the world. 
Think about it. This Christmas story, the beasts gave up their dwelling at his birth. The crib, the manger, the feeding trough. The magi, maybe they did support his exile into Egypt and back, but they gave him gifts. And then later in his ministry, we know that the fish paid the tribute money when they went out and caught a fish, found a coin in his mouth. That's an amazing story. A lad loaned him his lunch to demonstrate that he was deity. What was it? Three fish and, or three loaves and two small fishes, something like that. A fisherman loaned him his boat as a pulpit as he got in there and preached to the multitudes. A rich man loaned him his tomb because he rose again. See, God kept providing and meeting the need of the God-man. Amazing. The true way for us to obtain needed wisdom for soul salvation is the star. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, the scripture says this. It says, we have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. If it wasn't for this book, you'd have never got it. And God gave us the book. So you and I would understand and believe. What a treasure. What a treasure. This is what guides us now until we see him. And we're going to see him. That magi, they came to see him and to worship him. Think, just think, what's it going to be like when you see him? <laughs> oh my goodness, we're going to fall on our faces and we're just going to, we're going to do homage. <laughs> the star that they followed illustrates the way Jesus would shine in their hearts. I'm so glad that the day star has arisen in my heart. The worship and homage which Jesus also expects from his people. Luke 14, 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it involves faith and fellowship. I did have a young man say to me one time years ago, I've never forgot this. He's saved. Born again, knows it, can take you to the place, the time, but he said, I'm not a Christian. For a Christian is a follower of Christ. Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Wise men gave their gold, their, their frankincense, their myrrh, have we given the Lord the gold of our hearts, the incense of our daily praise and prayer, the mirth of obedience, self-denial, to bring him true homage, homage, worship? Those who choose to neglect his star will remain in darkness. They'll remain in unbelief. They'll remain in sin. We often wonder why some people just don't do much for God, although they claim to be a Christian. Could it be that they're still in darkness? Now, you know what? I know I'm speaking different, but that would scare me to death. The Bible talks about fearing God, and I don't see much fear of God. Like in past years, I didn't see many people happy about Merry Christmas. It's, it's humbug. This year seemed to be different. Oh, can it be different this year for all of us? Can it be? 
that we fear God. Enough to love God, enough to obey God. Well, I just don't feel that way. Well, it's not on your feelings. It's faith. Faith is an action. Something you do out of devotion. I remember as my boys started getting over older, we started having conversations. Isn't it something how your kids will open up to you when they're older and they're married and they got kids and they, they, they don't fear you anymore? <laughs> and they told me about things they did that we didn't know about, stuff like that. Uh, but you know, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, you're still important. You know what you are? You're like that star. You're there and you're guiding. Dad, mom, don't quit worshiping. Don't lower your standard. Don't throw in the towel. Don't, don't cease to pay homage. So they don't listen anymore. They don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. You got a job to do. And you be that influence, that example, that mentor that they need in their life. Oh my goodness. Why people don't get it when it comes to serving Jesus. I, I don't know. I don't know how some people can be a Christian. Hardly go to church. Go when it feels like it. Then I'm so blessed when I see people who... Sometimes in my heart as a pastor I say... You shouldn't even come. Why would you come? You, you're all laid up. You're, you're in your 80s. You're having a hard time. But it is somehow those people can make it. And you know they're in pain. And you know they, it's difficult for them. But they want to be where they ought to be. Because they love Jesus. And they want to pay homage. And they want to worship. That's what I want to be my entire life. Mom and dad, don't throw, give in. Grandma and grandpa, you should be the best witness among your children and your grandchildren there is on the face of the earth. I went to Sister Linda Bratcher's funeral the other day. What an honoring funeral that was. And she was a good Christian woman. Her heart broke at times for some of her family that wandered away. And Pastor Saab did his best to try to get some of them to come back. But you know, I know human nature, some of them, they they're not going to do that. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody here today, a young person or an adult. Listen, where's your heart concerning Jesus Christ? Are you a part-time go to church or part-time? Maybe you don't even give. Maybe you don't even serve God. You got so many gifts and talents. You ain't using them for the Lord. You need to get this. These men came from afar and they came at their own expense and inconvenience and, and possible danger. And they got there and there was no evidence that he was who he's called. But they knew in their heart and they fell down and they worshiped and gave him homage and praise and honor. Risking their lives on the way back because they said no to the king. God, give us that devotion again. As I said last year, if it's Christmas time and you're not home with Jesus, come home. <clears throat> have you been truly saved? Do you know that you know? And if you're truly saved, then why don't you just make this next year a year that you're going to worship and honor and give homage to
through the king who bought you by his shed blood at Calvary. Amen? Let me encourage you. The true meaning of Christmas, the depth of Christmas for these days onward into the new year. Don't neglect the sign of the star. Don't neglect God's signs pointing you to the Savior. Don't neglect the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the saints of God, those that have invested in your life. You know, Tim's here. Where's Tim? Timoteo, where's he at? That's his Spanish name, by the way, Timoteo. But Tim, he prayed the other day. You know what he said? Lord, thank you for this church and the people that have been in my life to help. Listen, you invested in him, and he appreciates it. My kids come home when they get a chance, so they come to Parkview, and they say to me, Dad, there's no place like Parkview. I think many may be sitting here today, you just take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. You need to do like, uh, what's her name? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place. The church, the house of God, maybe you go somewhere else. I get, it ought to be in your heart as something wonderful. Think of the memories, think of the devotion, think of the people that prayed and encouraged you and stood strong, that told you what they thought was right or wrong, whether you wanted to hear it or not. Be thankful. Because, listen, that is the epitome of homage. Homage. Let's bow our heads if we would ever head bowed this morning. My thought is this.